Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 146. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the internationally and acclaimed talented comic creator, Chris Saloff. Chris, how you doing? Great. You uh, you got my name right, so I'm proud of you on that one. <laughs> I don't the DMV. They can't seem to get it right after almost 40 years. So. And, <laughs> And, and you got a Kickstarter coming out tomorrow, is it? Yes, tomorrow it is launching at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And my my tag on Instagram is this right here. And I'll be going live at 7.30 tomorrow night on my Instagram um, to do a live launch. And I'm going to be doing kind of like a a, a hat draw for the everyone that, that um, backs the Kickstarter day one. I'm going to do a, a drawing. Um for some free free stuff. I've got so much swag that I want to give away and say thank you to everyone that really, you know, jumps in on day one because there's so many Kickstarters out there. And for the people that take the time to check mine out and, and really give me a chance, I want to say thank you. So right. if you haven't followed it, I'm stuck on Order 66 here. So um, I really don't like Palpatine. If you could fix that, that'd be great. <laughs> um but yeah, so I'm really I'm really excited for this launch. It is the closing of chapter one of Crit. So it's all six issues in this Kickstarter. So if you've never checked out Crit or maybe you've been on the fence, mm. this is a time to do it. You get the complete chapter one all in one get-go. So because right now you've done some previous Kickstarters. So this is this is a combined um, collection of the first few issues, correct? Correct. So I'll have individual issues on there as well, but I am doing a trade paperback of zero, one, two, three, four, and five. Wow. It's okay. going to be over 200 pages. I think right now, before I start stuffing additional stuff in there, I'm right around 220. Um, but I am going to be adding in some additional content to the trade paperback for people that do get it. Right. Um, because we have, we have some unreleased material. And I've worked at a stretch goal of uh, uh, an additional book that we're working on. And I think we could make that happen, this Kickstarter, if we do well. So wow. um, that would go in there as well. And that's an additional four pages of stupidity. And I say that because if you've played D&D, you know it always ends in stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> so d talk to us a bit about, for those, for those that... Um, might not be familiar with uh, the world you've created. You've, uh, you know, I've been listening to some of your previous interviews, and it's really exciting stuff. But kind of give people a bit of a background on, 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 on crit and what, what the world is and how you, how you kind of created it. Um, so the world is our world. How I pitched this game to my friends was your. You know, you wake up tomorrow with superpowers. Mm -hmm. And so the starting point is where we are in the world, except, um, you know, I can't really use Apple or Google. So I made my own, you know, tech company called Technetic. And there's the owner of the company right there, Shaw. He is the owner of Technetic. And his goal is to market Crit as this superhero team 
but in the beginning, like to you know, to, to really have a good marketability, you can't just run around shooting people in the head, right? Right. And you know, hit so his goal is to get them to this point where he can market them and crit, of course, you know, in D in Dungeons and Dragons fashion, doesn't care what the DM has to say. Um, they're gonna do what they want to do. And so you get to follow their story and the the actions and um, choices they make really mold the the world around them, just like with with any kind of D and D campaign. Right. Um, they stumble upon you know this bigger thing, just like most uh, you know. If you, if you and I don't want to give too much away as a D and D player, you know, but you always you always get dragged into like the the small things first, and then finally you uncover the big overarching event that you're gonna uh, that your players are gonna be getting themselves into. And usually they've caused something to happen, which is, you know, typical. And, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> and well, the, the games we play, my players always love to screw stuff up. And so as a DM, uh, most of the stuff you see them get themselves into is usually their own fault. <laughs> <laughs> um, but with chapter, you know, this first chapter one, when we close it out, they've really come into their own. They've really learned who they are as heroes. And you're going to see the choices they make that really affect the rest of the story. And okay. in game we've written close to 30 books. So wow. we're actually closing in on the end of crit as far as the actual game goes. And I'm gauging it right around 40 books. And originally it was going to be around 36, right? But now it's kind of moved up to 40. Yeah. Um, I've got to give some of these, game sessions a little breath right um, if that makes sense and i think limiting them to one book might be a little bit hard and i don't want to i don't want to have every issue be about 50 pages um now issue five is going to be close to 50 pages wow so some of them and i think what I, i'm going to continue that fashion where every uh 12 you know in in order of six so six five that'd be what 11 it's going to be an awkward number now that I have an issue zero in there. But um, every six books when I close out a chapter, that last book will probably be a little bit beefier because even in the game when I've kind of set up those those chapter-ending sessions, they're longer, they're much more intense, and I want to give room to answer those questions we've created in the uh, beginning of the, the chapter. So you, so you basically took a D&D &D system mm -hmm. made into a superhero world. Yeah. And with that, you just to just to just to reiterate, you've been having a lot of fun playing this with your your friends. Yeah. And you've taken basically every gaming session and made it into an issue. Right. So I record every session. I've recorded every session except I think one or two when i was moving i didn't have my stuff set up and i couldn't record one which really bummed me out because it was such a good session but we remember most of that session so i think we're fine uh, we made a lot of notes and so that one i remember the I, and i have like a the memory of a hawk luckily so i can remember the flow of it right and Plus the guys really, uh, at, while we were playing, they're like, oh man, this has to go in the book, right? So I have a, a, a transcribed version of the events of that that session. But um, 
I the 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 way the flow goes is we play on a Sunday. I record it, and then I, when I get to that issue, I about a month prior, we'll start listening to it on a regular basis, and they're about okay. six hours long. So when I'm at the gym, or even when I'm at work, I'll put it on as background noise. And what I'm doing when I'm when I'm listening is I'm looking for what the flow of that book has to be, because there's any any campaign you play, um, there's like a lot of fat, right? We're sitting there talking about what we did this week. You know, we haven't met for a month. So sometimes there's just unneeded banter that I can cut out of that session. Right. Um, but some of that stuff is really good. And I want to incorporate, you know, some of their real life stuff into the book because this book is about them. And, and you know, it is based off of them in real life. So giving real world experience into the book also adds a layer of depth to those characters. And so sometimes you'll hear like uh, some banter between the characters and that is natural banter that I've put in while I'm preparing them to go out on a mission. They're just, you know, BSing back and forth. And I'm like, well, that's actually kind of cool. So I'm going to put some of that in the book. Right. Um, but there's also sometimes when I'll create, you know, a, a piece of the narrative and expect it to be bigger than it is and I'll present it and I'll build it up and then they go squirrel and go the other direction. And so instead of introducing something to a reader and having the reader get maybe attached to something that I've created and have no resolution, I just, I nix it. And we we can eliminate that piece of the story and focus on what they're actually doing. So there is some editing on my part to really, you know, shape it and create a um, an understandable story for someone else. Right. But for the most part, you're getting raw table action. <laughs> now, how long does it take you to then trans transpose, transcribe a a book? A book. Yeah. Um. So I'm use. I've never really timed myself. So this uh, with issue five, I'm trying to figure out what my time frames are because I would like to have a regular release schedule at some point. And in the indie community, it's very hard because we work <laughs> we work full time jobs. Um, I'm thinking I can produce right now with the levels that I've had. I can do a book every three months successfully wow. and fulfill on time. Um, that's that's kind of where I'm at. If if this was a normal sized book, it'd be done already. Yeah. So um, this book's bigger, so it's going to be a lot more for me. So I think this year I had the goal of doing four books. Realistically, I'm going to aim for three again this year um, so I can fulfill on time. And we also don't know <laughs> resource wise, like printing materials. And I don't want to talk about all the other stuff we have to worry about in the world. But there, there's so many um, external things that could happen. Right. That if I plan for four, I might I might fall short. But if I plan for three, we'll be fine. Um, I, I already have the next book uh, in my head while I'm working on this book. I'm already figuring out the next one because I like to drop like subtle hints of things. And um, we've been talking about like the book six. Um, I've already been pitching the title for it and the flow for it because while I'm doing the, the hard work on this one, I've got the team thinking about what do you want to see in the next one? Because they've already given me what needs to be in this book, 
right? Like we've already kind of gone over and been like, okay, we can we can shave some of this, but we need to add some depth here. Right. And um, I, I think we're going tentatively with Rock'em Sock'em for book six. And if you if you know, you know, um, I'm an 80s kid, so you know <laughs> that one's gonna be fun. Um, but you know that in true crit fashion. I don't know if any, if you've read the books, you know that I put the cover for the next book at the end of this one, to so so the reader really knows where the story's going to go. And and one thing about indie books is it's hard to know when that next book's going to come out or if there's another book coming out because indie creators can get burned out. I like everyone to know we're planned. You know, we have a plan for the next book. And uh, my guys like to joke, too, that even if nobody ever bought a book from us, I'd probably still put them out. So, you know, you're stuck with it no matter what. <laughs> I'm pretty hard-headed. <laughs> so how much of it – so how much do you struggle putting on your comic creator hat and how – between that and your DM hat? Like, do you – do you ever f find yourself, as you said, how much heavy editing do you have to do to to make the to make the stories um, universally readable to your 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 comic your comic reader? Because as Venn diagrams go, you have your role players mm -hmm. who love to see the banter, who love to see the adventure, but then you have the then you have the other circle of the the comic book readers, and then as those overlap, those are your you know, looking at that, uh, that whatever that, that audience is true audience there, but how much do you have to feel like you have to sway over more on the comic book folks or how much superhero comic book folks and how much do you have to kind of sway over to the, the, the folks that are, that are fans of like, novelizations of yeah uh, role-playing games. So the team is actually pretty balanced. I'm the only real comic book reader. The rest of them like anime, Okay. manga or you know one of our guys only like reads nothing but fiction right? right like fiction science fiction things like that and we have a very well balanced team there to where when we get into the flow or get into the dialogue um it's i think it's very well balanced mm. and that was because when we came out the gate um mo issue one was me it was my brainchild i took it i ran with it and then I called them and I said, hey, help me help me with the wording on this because I want to get your personalities in the dialogue. Right. And when I did that, they, you know, they moaned and groaned and didn't really want to be part of it. But then they realized, wait a minute, um, Chris, you've written a book within a book. Like we need to shave this and we need to do a lot more of show, don't tell. Right. And when we started, when, when they brought that to me and said, hey, your art should should show and what you don't show we can tell you know we don't need to tell someone that you're about to punch somebody in one panel and then have them punch have it being punched in the next right. and when we adopted some of those um techniques that that you know my the novel reader liked this piece and the manga reader wanted this and then me the comic book reader i wanted to see this right so when we kind of blended those three things together we realized that the book read really well to all three of us. And I'm of the mindset where if I like it and, you know, my friends like it and our group enjoys it, there's going to be other people that enjoy it. Hmm. 
And we don't look at it very biased. We're actually very critical of our own work. So I feel like we've created a flow in a, a, a way of doing things that that hits all those points and does that Venn diagram without us really trying. So, so, so with that said, how much do you, how much as you, as you're moving forward, as you're wrapping up your actual, uh, as, as you're wrapping up your actual campaign, are you making sure that, are you kind of scripting it out or saying, or do you have an idea in your head that you have this conflicting like DM, but also comic creator point where like, I have to make sure it ends like this or, is could there possibly be a surprise where all of a sudden it ends with them, you know, like eating shawarmas or whatever, you know, like, is there like something where like, are you worried? I guess the fact that you're not solely in creative control on where the direction of the story is because you are transposing yeah. a, a campaign. <laughs> um, I would say yes. In the beginning. Yes. So, in the very beginning of Crit, I was worried that I didn't have control. And my wife is in our chat up here and, and on YouTube and can attest. I like to to control my surroundings. Um, when and, and actually, I'm about to release the full interview that I did with the team. It was an hour-long interview we did. I got to chop some stuff on it. But uh, that'll be on the Kickstarter page. And they even said, once I gave up the idea of control of a D&D campaign the story was much better the flow was much better they enjoyed it so much more because it was more natural than me just scripting everything and then kind of filling in the spots so yes in the very beginning a little bit nervous of where it was going once i let the gloves off and just said hey have fun it really grew and actually book five we're releasing was the first time that I really came to the table and said, hey, this is the situation. What do you do? Whereas before I had been building up all these different things and spent hours planning. And I watched a few um, YouTube shows on DMing campaigns. And I spoke to, in the book, um, Caliber is Brad in real life. Brad taught me how to DM. And I called him and I said, hey, like, we're playing and I'm, beating my head against the table. Yes, that guy right there. I said, how do I do this? And everyone enjoy it, including me. And he said, Chris, you spend way too much time planning and not enough time planning for us to screw up. He said, so create a scenario, let us do our thing, and then just have like a, a list of things you want to have happen. And then when we do something, just trigger it. He said, you don't have to wait for us to hit this point, right? And then you be prepared for it. He said, you just need to have like, like some cards and you pick one up and say, okay, this happens or this happens. He's like, you know, have a, have a die and roll the die and then let that randomness happen to us. Just like we're creating randomness that happens to you. And so I did that with this book. And I will tell you, it was the best role-playing session we had ever had. Awesome. We all enjoyed it. And we were talking, we, we still talk about what happens in book five. We still talk about two years later, right? And so that's 
that's the kind of stuff that we can't replace or we can't plan for. Like when you just take the gloves off and you have a guy, you know, pretending to be sick to, to distract the guards. And then another guy at the same time, you know, feeding him tacos so that he tries to throw up like these things you can't plan for. Right. (laughs) And he's rolling on the ground screaming. If the cream is sour, do not devour, you know, like, like that's not something you can script. And when I let them just have fun and not, and I didn't worry about what they were going to do. Right. It was so natural and so much fun that I, I was getting through book zero, one, two, three, and four. I was getting through those books so I could show off this book. Right. That's how excited we were to release this book. And I will tell you that excitement stays in crit the rest of the series. <laughs> like there's a, a session we played where, um, <laughs> you know, Obi in the, in the book, he is the brainy guy. Okay. Reach. And he likes to um, use medicinal things in the, in the, in re- like real world medicinal things to screw with enemies. So he created an LSD bomb and he's like, Hey, I want to use this LSD bomb so I can really screw with people. You know, he's like, and this is how it would work. It would really make sense. You know, this is something that I could make arguably in real life with the right materials. And he goes, it would really screw somebody up, but it'd be funny. And so when they were getting ready for a mission, he was packing all of his stuff and I made everybody roll just to see how, how well they did with you know their their packing and getting off this airship and they're going to japan okay and i was like all right so everybody roll and he rolled terribly he rolled a nat one and in game <laughs> that is an epic failure so he spills all of his his lsd bombs on the floor in front of him and he has screwed up the rest of the game and the game pauses for a minute so we're like oh my god that is hilarious they were like when we get to japan can we have somebody else draw this like a manga? So when they read it and they're like, it's a whole new art style. Like Chris, you draw the first couple pages where we're getting ready. And then, <laughs> and then Obi drops the LSD bomb. And then he looks up and everybody looks like they're in a cart, like a different world. And he said, all of a sudden we have like anime characters running around as crit instead. And I was like, you know what? That is really cool. Considering we're going to Japan and, you know, anime and Japan and Japan kind of go together. Right. And and all my guys are more anime and manga fans than comic book fans, and they're like, "Oh my god, let's do it that way." <laughs> so, so now we just can't wait to get to that book. And there's so many different things that have happened now that are more of like random chance events that we're like, "Oh man, I can't wait for this to show up in the book," or "I can't wait for this to show up." Right. And that excitement really bleeds into how they play. And I think you know, and the feedback I've gotten from readers is you can tell through the dialogue and through how they, how we have these characters portrayed that the friendship is there. And, you know, yes, yes, you might like action books, but we have that. Right. Drama books. There's not much drama in D and D. We hit that later on. We hit a few dark points in the story where, you know, bring in some dramatization because there is one character who loves drama now. Um, But, you get to really experience a story about friendship and a story about growth. Um, and I think what I like to, to talk about too is, you know, my wife calls this my version of um, tag. If you ever seen the movie tag, 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's about a group of friends that get together every year and they play this huge game of tag, right? It's how they keep their friendship alive. Okay. Because the rest of the year, these guys are working full-time jobs and they have all these careers and lives that they have to do. And to keep themselves, you know, young or feel, feeling like the, like, like, you know, their friendship alive, they just get together and play a game of tag. Well, my friends and I, for two years, every Sunday was pizza and D&D, okay? And then life kind of happened, you know, new careers, we graduated college, or we moved away, Think, you know, work, things like that happened. Nobody left on bad terms, but 10 years later, I was playing Spider-Man on the PS4, and I said, I could turn this into D&D, like the, the mechanics here translate really well into D&D, and then we can have heroes, which is something we wanted to do for years. It just, I don't know, my brain started breaking things down and I started making phone calls and some of us hadn't talked in 10 years. And I was like, hey guys, um, we're going to play D&D again and we're going to do superheroes. And they were like, <laughs> okay. You know, no one, no one had any argument. We brought everybody back together. And that first session, it was like we hadn't ever left the table. Right. And... Um, you know, Austin was new to the group. I actually brought him in because Brad was in police training for a weekend. So I said, hey, Austin, do you want to come play? And I was like, you're going to hate these guys, but it's going to be fun. <laughs> and he just never left. He's he's enjoyed it so so far. And I'm glad because he got he left our group chat because of uh, actually uh, Obi loves the, like shock value. Right. And you kind of see that in the book. Um, Obi put something in a in group chat one day and then all of a sudden you see Austin left the group. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, bringing everybody back together and really getting my friends to have something to look forward to. And now, um, you know, a year later, they were reading themselves on a page and getting fan art made of them. And all these cool things started happening. And all because I said, hey, let's let's get the guys back together for D&D. Right. And now we look forward to those monthly sessions, even without the comic book. Right. Like. Like getting together and just playing D and D once a month is kind of our escape from, you know, we have a police officer, we've got uh, retail management. Um, I'm, I'm in distribution and taxes, you know, and then you've got um, Obi. Um, he he works with cars, so we all we're all in these different worlds all month long, mm. and then our our release is getting together and just playing Dungeons and Dragons, right? And I think at the core of it. I, my goal at the end of every book is to show these are a group of friends and that and that's what drives the narrative isn't you know it's not like x-men where they're forced by professor x to go out and do these missions like these are guys that do care about the well-being of each other and in and, and, and it's based off of real life people and how they would react if tomorrow they woke up with superpowers and um the, the best the best thing I've heard is your book is so much fun. I can feel your friendship in the story. And that's that's what I, I love to hear. Right. So so talk to us now about what 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 people can expect from the from the Kickstarter. What can you expect? Um, well besides all the cool books that we have and all the amazing, you know, 
uh, cover art that I, that we've been, you know, that got contributions from some great artists on those covers. Um, I am bringing in levels one through five of the game. So if you're a D&D player and you're interested in, in playing a superhero, you can play your version of Boulder, Caliber, Spectre, one of those guys. If um, you're also a fan of D&D, that will call, come with a custom D6 oh, wow. with all the characters on it. Oh, cool. And then um, on top of that, we're doing uh, a Caliber figure, which is at the designer right now. It's actually that picture you pulled up off the website. I'm having them design that in a 3D model. So you'll get him, uh, you know, against the wall with the bullet holes in it and everything. Um, so we're uh, putting that in there. The trade paperback. Of course, you got to have the T-shirt. You know, you can't have a, a Kickstarter campaign without a T-shirt. And uh, we're working on some cool um, stretch goals. So the last Kickstarter, when I hit a, a 100 backers, I got this crit tattoo. That was what I told everybody I would get a tattoo. And oh, I did. Nice. That's how dedicated I am. Um, and so I'm working on some Kickstarter or some stretch goals. One of them is going to be the first four pages of our side book called Mr. Wizard and Friends, which is just another D&D campaign that we played. Right. Are you talking about that in a previous interview? It's kind of like a, a it's kind of a book within a book kind of deal where it's. Yes. Yeah. I, I pitched it to the guys and I said, hey, we could do this. And only two of them had actually played that campaign, but all of them really liked the idea of doing the book within a book. And you only get like four pages of the story, but that four pages is going to be referenced at some point within crit. And so it's like it exists within the universe and, and like the reader gets to experience it too. So that's kind of fun. And I've already contacted the artist um, to do that one because I don't, I don't want to take that on. Right. I want to finish um, issue five, but I have a really good artist that said he would take on four pages anytime, and um, amazing artist too. So we've already got that plan, and I'm pretty sure we could make that happen with this Kickstarter as a stretch goal. So I want to get that included, and the um, I, this this will be part of the campaign. I've shown him off. My little stuff, Samedi. So you can do him as an add-on. If you haven't read Crit, one of our main characters is a talking, alcoholic, cigar-loving cat. Right. And yep. he is a jerk. <laughs> but very dexterous, though. Huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't have a cat without a high dex score. Right. Um, yeah, he loves his cigars and his rum. So that's Samedi. He is like my DM character that sometimes the characters like to try and control <laughs> also he's an npc he is he is a, a familiar for specter okay i saw that in the specter picture yeah yeah so he is specter's familiar but the personality of the cat everybody kind of attached themselves to in different ways like reader i had a few readers that were like oh my god i love this cat and then even my players were like Man, the cat became my favorite character in the entire book, right? So we had to build up the cat a little bit. And you see him in the in the beginning, he's not as prevalent in some of the story pieces. Hmm. We chalked that up to him being an alcoholic and he's just too drunk to show up. Um, <laughs> but as the story progresses, you see him really grow as well with the team. Um, his backstory is the he's been around 
since about 400, you know. Uh, so, so you know, we're going on, what, a couple centuries. This cat has been around. He is an ancient being known as a Gide. He's a facilitator of life, but he's stuck on our plane of existence. He can't go home. Okay. Uh, because of this event that kind of happened. And he doesn't really divulge a lot of information, mainly because he doesn't trust everyone on the team. But he sees hope for them. So he's kind of like my Mr. Miyagi in a way. He knows all about their powers. He knows everything that that they should probably know. But they never asked him. So he never came out with it. And so he, he like drops a few hints here and there. He's kind of a DM foil character. Um, gives me a way to divulge some information to the team without being heavy handed with it. At the same time, he doesn't like telling him everything. But he's along for the ride. He's interested in what they can do. And eventually you see him really warm up to him. Uh, what's cool is in book five, we actually introduce two more characters like him. One is a chameleon and one is a an owl. And uh, they come in at the very end of the book, but they are introduced. And uh, they're annoying in their own ways because every... You know, um, Specter himself, his power set is based off of different um, different familiars that he can call upon. And so every familiar familiar that he has, he gets to manipulate his powers a little differently. Right. But those familiars are a DM character, and I'm not gonna play nice with them because you know their their job is to make my life hard. So as a DM, my job is to make <laughs> right. So the little talking animals all have their own little personalities too. And like the owl is this pompous, like British sounding owl with like a monocle. Um, and he loves to, you know, make fun of them for being lesser beings. And then the chameleon is kind of like a Loki-ish character. He's a trickster. And you really can't trust anything that he says because he's really just there to see how much chaos he can cause. <laughs> That's awesome. And, you know, Spectre kind of gets caught up in that in the beginning, like, oh, I can totally trust this talking chameleon. Oh, wait, nope, not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and so are you going to have, like, in your previous Kickstarters, are you going to be having um, also, like, an audiobook version of it, too? So we had toyed around with that idea, but I will be honest with this long of a book, it's going to be very hard to do. Okay. So I think what we... Um, closed on was as a stretch goal we will do a live read okay maybe a YouTube um, maybe something of that sort to where we do a live read for everybody and then I can put that into an audio segment on the website or host it for everyone okay um, the audiobook actually did a little bit better than we anticipated and so I think on another book, one that's not almost you know fifty pages long, we'll do another um, highly edited audiobook. I'd love to do a, a moving audiobook, something to where I can have it lined up with the comic, but that is a lot of work. Um, and when we're trying to put the book out and these other things, a lot of moving pieces, I found it was really hard to produce quality that I wanted to put out there. Um, the last one I was blessed because we had enough time to really do it. But I will say we didn't know the undertaking we had when we took it on. Hmm. Uh, and so 
when I pitched it on this one, they said, could we do a read through only because in our personal lives right now, there's a lot of moving parts. And they were like, we don't know if we could actually dedicate the week that it took last time to get that one done. And I said, yeah, you know, we could put it as a stretch goal and do a, a read through. And what we do is like a, like a YouTube channel kind of like this. All of us get on and read our parts and have fun. Um, or I'll get everybody to come over to my house. We'll set up a camera and, you know, stream it. And it'd be fun. Right. Um, either way, something will happen to that effect. I just don't know to what level we can do with this one. Right. Um, another cool thing on this Kickstarter campaign. So I wanted to showcase some of the villains because we have some really cool villains. And, um, you know, they, they've, on our, on our Instagram a few of them have hit it off fa uh, even uh, faster than I thought. So Zaka is getting a ton of fan art right now. Right. So um, we have a, a book with the villain cover, and I'm putting a bunch of the villain, um, you know, fan art, and the I have I have the original sketch work that I had for some of these villains that I'm going to put in there when I first introduced them, and, and really give everybody that backs that that cover some more depth on those villains. Um, so you have that, and then you have the heroes cover, which I'm going to be doing something similar, putting, you know, the, the sketch art and everything for the heroes in that. So you can see the, the growth of the, um, the heroes. And then we have, um, what else? Well, I always do a digital book, so you can do a digital book. You can do a digital catch up. Now I know not everybody has room in their house for every Kickstarter book. So, I'm always putting digitals out there. Right. She, she loves the many. Uh, <laughs> she's half the reason that we got these. She was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> she wanted to take a picture with all of them at once. And, uh, <laughs> sadly, we, we sold so many. And on the last kit, last Kickstarter, there wasn't enough to do the picture she wanted to do. She wanted to do all of these Semetis and like, like she was laying in them. Right. And now I have to do another order. Uh, but yeah, he's like my little desk buddy. He just hangs out. Constantly judging me, <laughs> um, but I, I do want to also offer both all the single issues for people and the trade paperback because right. I know some people will collect singles, some people like the the trade paperbacks a little bit more, so those are going to be in there, and um, you can also get hero cards. So awesome okay. as a stretch goal on the last Kickstarter. And they did really well. So these are on the website. The artwork is. Um, but people really liked the cards. I got a lot of really good feedback on this. So we're going to have the villains on there as well. And I got the similar artist, uh, actually the same artist, to come back and do a lot of the work for me. And he's done the villain side. So we're going to have the villains. And then you can also pick up the hero cards if you like those. Um, I am a huge collector of comic cards. This is like my thing. So I have like binders right. everywhere from a kit as a kid of collector cards. And everybody asked me like how excited I was to create my own comic book. And I was like, I was actually more excited to create my own collector cards. <laughs> um, you know, I know that doesn't sound as, as fun, but for me, like having all these different cards and having the bios and stuff like that was right. me. I loved reading bios as a kid and knowing more about the characters and my wife's in there and she'll tell you, you know, when it comes to TV shows, I go to the Wikipedia and I learn more about 
the actor and like the background. I love knowing all that stuff. Right. And having cards gives me the ability to give more of that information to a reader because not everything can go in the pages of the book. Like that's the tough part about being um, like a writer with, with um, limited space, right? Right. There's so much more story you want to tell. So I'm just going to start putting on the back of these cards, you know, and we'll have like, um, like there's a couple of verse cards I want to do later on in the next book where you get to see like Boulder versus um, Dark Vengeance. And I can kind of go into some of the story there because, you know, out of game, when I was creating the, creating Crit, Terrell, the, the player of Boulder, was going back and forth with what kind of character he wanted to be. Well, if you've ever homebrewed a, um, you know, a, a class, it's not easy. Right. It takes a lot of work to build 20 levels of a character so then and balance it and make it usable. So it's about six to eight hours just to draft these characters for him to see if he liked it. And he went back and forth between this armored kind of like Iron Man-esque character and what we have as Boulder. Well... When he tossed out the Iron Man character, I was like, I put so much work into this. This is going to be a villain now. And he didn't know it, but he showed up to play. And I'm describing the villains. And he goes, you're serious? Really? <laughs> he goes, you're going to make that guy my villain? I was like, yep. You're going to fight him now. You didn't want the character. You specifically asked for it. You didn't like it. Now you're stuck with it. Right. And then um, recently we had like a, a talk through. And I was, and somebody asked, um, like, if you could do it differently, what would you do? And he's like, I'd be Dark Vengeance. He goes, I didn't realize how cool that class was until I fought him. And so, so um, now they have this constant rivalry, and that's more me picking on him that he didn't choose that character. <laughs> but I built into this whole backstory of why he hates Boulder so much. Would are you gonna do this? Like, you know, uh, I also you had the collection of uh all those uh those comic cards as well mm -hmm. and one of them i think it was was it series two that had classic battles mm -hmm. or yep. are you, was that something right, you yeah. can do to create some prologue of like you know having like you know classic battles of yes versus i, I want to bring cards? those back the the original collector cards like the the series two marvel cards yeah i think did a better job than any other series they did with with building that those, those right. characters they just had so much in there and i loved them right. and so i want to bring those classic battles that's actually where i got the idea was i've got a few artists i was like hey can you have these two fighting and they're like yeah, yeah i can do that and i said yeah because i want to use that as a card so i can have a description of their rivalry in there right and um, actually it's funny because when i created these enemies I, I created them to balance each different character. And this is kind of like how D&D goes, right? I spent hours. I'm like, cool, this is a perfect opposite of this character. It'll be a fun battle. Right. I put them in the room with the enemies, and they're like, all fight different enemies. <laughs> and I was like, guys, can you not just fight the ones I made for No, why would I fight him? He's clearly my enemy. I don't want to fight this guy. It's going to be so much easier. <laughs> and I was like, but... It made those fights like more interesting right. because even the dialogue when when I was role playing with them in those fight scenes, I'm like, you're not supposed to be fighting me. Like, go away. <laughs> I'm supposed to fight him. <laughs> and so, um, 
we built the rivalries after they chose the enemy. And I was like, well, why would you? Oh, okay, well, this makes sense why why right. these two would want to fight now. Right. And so we really build on those rivalries. And, um, you know, it is D&D. So the enemies don't stay around for a super long time. Right. But I think it's cool to give some background on for when they were there and why they hated each other. Right. That's awesome. Well, Chris, we are at the top of our hour now. And uh, so if people are interested, like you're you're going live tomorrow on your Instagram. Yep. Homebrewed Comics. Yep. And what time is that? What was 730 that? Eastern. So um, Eastern. Yep. And the, the Kickstarter will launch tomorrow at 8 p.m. Okay. And um, I'm going to have a bunch of different people in there from my Instagram like community from the from indie creators uh, you know we got every if you've heard of the convictor he's gonna be in there a bunch of just um, if you've been on my Instagram or follow anything that we do I'm part of a group called the Savage Sandbox mm. and a bunch of those guys are coming in to support I've got um, uh, Dan from Bigfoot knows karate he's oh, I like Dan price yeah. yeah yeah Dan has been um, a very awesome dude just to become friends with. Yeah. And, you know, when I first saw Dan, I saw him drawing with his finger on a laptop. And I was like, is this guy finger painting? And <laughs> then I've, I've fallen in love with his character. Dan as a person is just a really good individual to, yeah. you know, be around. He's given me a lot of knowledge that I didn't have. You know, I was... I was kind of thrown into this world while I kind of tossed myself in to <laughs> the comic community. And it's cool to meet people with so much knowledge that are so willing to really help you out. Right. Uh, because I've, I've kind of been just figuring out as I go along, you know, fake it till you make it kind of thing. Right. And Dan's been doing this for a long time. And so he was able to give me some pointers and really help me move in the right direction. in Some of these things. Right. And so, yeah. Right. It's so you have, and if people also wanted to kind of also just discover all your work, it's um, hbhcomics.com, homebrewed. Yep. Heroes. You can also go to homebrewedcomics.com. We did buy okay. that as well. It just wasn't okay. available when we did HBH. Okay. So you can do both. Uh, they both lead to the same place. All of our social media links are on there. Um, you've, got, you've got some, you know, the store. So if you want to pick up some of the digital books, if you want to do that before the Kickstarter launches. Right. You can do that as well. I've actually had quite a few orders come in the past two weeks for the book, so people must be getting excited for the the Kickstarter. I'm really stoked right. for that. Cool. Well, so listen, Chris, you got to come back on for uh, when you come out with uh, issue six. So definitely. Um, yeah. My goal is to do the Kickstarter for six in late June, early July. I want to ship this book out before I do my next one because I don't. I don't like that idea of um, you know having backers in limbo. Right. So as long as my printer, my colorist, and everybody is on time, we'll be done well before June because I've already got the first 20 pages of the book with my colorist. Right. The last 10 pages of this book are being done by the guy who did issue zero. He is in Australia, and half their country's flooded and half their country's on fire right now. Right. So... I, I just want to make sure, you know, and I don't want to put any stress on anybody to get stuff done. But as soon as I get book um, five shipped and good, 
I'm going to give it two weeks and then we'll plan that launch. That way books can be in people's hands. I really want to start doing my next Kickstarter relatively soon after my books are in people's hands because there are so many indie books out right now that I want to stay relevant and I want to stay on the forefront of everybody's mind. And so that's kind of the, my, my plan for, for crit right. because I don't want people to uh, wonder what we're doing. We're playing D and D and we're putting out comic books. I promise you we're not going anywhere. Um, I've learned a lot about the indie community in the past two years and it's, it's, it's growing. So I want to appreciate everyone that's uh, backed us and supported us so far. Well, I think, um, what's that? Yeah, I was gonna say, can, yeah, I'm very excited to check it out. I mean, you've you've had a really good, strong run with your other issues, so especially as you see it, you know, pro, the your 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 supporters have progressively increased as as it as the books go along. So, yeah, yeah, and those free copies are coming down the day that our Kickstarter launches. So tonight at midnight, those things are back to ninety nine cents. Uh, wow. So now if you tonight. want to get them, get them tonight. Yeah. Uh, let me make sure Wix actually runs it right. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> cool. Sometimes Wix will, uh, I've had it where the, the sale thing doesn't end right. up every time. But um, yeah, I'm, I am very excited to launch this book. I think um, people are really in for a treat with some of these, these pages. I've put a lot of work into it. I've had a lot of very seasoned artists help me direct some of the artwork to make the the action panels just really pop. And I will tell you, you're getting the best we've, we've done so far. That's awesome. Cool. Well, congratulations, uh, Chris. And like I said, come back on in, you know, June or July ish when you're ready. To Definitely. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, bud. Yeah, she's super supportive of everything I do. Right. Um, she'll tell me if it sucks. So <laughs> that's good. Then you got you got you got like a, a live-in editor in there for you too. Yeah, like even this cat. So we're trying to pick out another cat. Yeah. And the breeder that we've been talking to, because I've never had a, a purebred cat. So we found a breeder, and there's a specific cat that we want. Well, that I want, and he's got to be poofy. And the the one she sent us is not very poofy. <laughs> and I was like, what do you think? You know, we've been waiting six months for this cat. And she's like, I don't know. She's like, you really want your flu. <laughs> <So> <laughs> she's like, don't get that one. I want to get you a flu. <laughs> <laughs>